0: Hey, what's going on? Pastor Jay here with Portrait Church. Portrait Church exists to give people a renewed picture of Jesus and his church. And in this series, that is our goal. There's many pictures and different caricatures that the world presents that are honestly false images of who Jesus is. And we want to take this series and hear from Jesus himself and what he has to say about who he is. So we hope that this message series leaves you more impressed with Jesus and leaves you with a greater understanding of who he is. If you would like to know more about our church, you can find us online at portrait.church or look us up on social media or find us on Sundays over at the Mitten Building in Redlands. Hope to see you soon. And I hope you enjoyed this message. So about it, I think it was in August, um, many of you, especially if you live in Southern California, around the Inland Empire, um, you were hit with the news that a hurricane was coming, right? And many of us, like, I think, sure, we could like, kind of chuckle and be like, "Ah, it wasn't as crazy as, you know, we thought it would be. There were still a ton of damages. There were still a a ton of people that were left without homes. But one of the the interesting realities about these uh, natural, uh, like, these storms, these, like, things that are coming is people have this weird tendency to go buy up all the toilet paper. It was like, guys... Like, do you need four packages of toilet paper? This is just two days they're talking about. Unless you got other problems that I don't know about. I don't know why you need that many. And um, what, they, what they said was that obviously we know about the toilet paper and how everyone buys that. But the second most like purchased thing was anything that was capable of producing light. So it was batteries for flashlights um, Lowe's. They, and I know this cause your boy was one of those that was like, you know what, do we got a flashlight in this house? I got four kids. I'm gonna lose one. I need a flashlight. <laughs> so I went and they're out because there's something about us wanting to prepare ourselves with dark living, with being incapable of having power to produce light that kind of sends people into a little bit of a frenzy. It's because if if we're all being honest, like we do not want a world in which there is no visibility of light. Like so to light a candle or to get a flashlight, sure, we can do it for a night. But to do that for your entire life is something completely different. Yet many people are doing that spiritually. And so one of the things that we need to reckon with in our day and age is so because of, because of the access that we have with social media and all these platforms is we are given more access to darkness than our soul could even take. We're given more access. Here's the thing. We don't, we don't need to make statements like this is the darkest our world's ever been. Our world has always lived in darkness from, from the fall. And if you were here, part of our vision series, this perfect shalom, this perfect light, this perfect harmony we had with God, when that was stripped away, when humanity said, God, we think you're holding out, we can do this better than you. And when sin would enter the world, there would be a darkness that would come over, over the entire world. So for us, like we can't be, we can't be too naive to think that, um, that, that the times that we are living in, like we should be surprised at how dark it is. We can't. And social media has only exacerbated this issue. We are a people that are distraught with darkness. Darkness and hardship, that's the thing that sells. That's the thing that's viral. That's the thing that people are, are posting and, and, and retweeting and, and doing all these things because they know that there's something about darkness that keeps you looking at it longer. And so we live in a world also that people are desperate for light. Like not just any light, but a light that lasts. They're desperate for a light to understand. How do we take, how do we navigate these dark worlds? How do we navigate these situations and bring light into it? I think the, the prophet Isaiah says something that's very formative to the time that we're living in right now. And he said it back then. And I think it's in some ways, it's kind of a, it's kind of an aha moment, like a warning that we should consider. Isaiah 5, verse 20, he says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who consider themselves wise and judge themselves clever. Isn't that sort of the state in which we live in? People substituting and calling evil things good and good things evil. Think about that, calling things that should be light, darkness, and things that are very dark, now light. Our world is so confused about this because the reality is we need to be people who call ourselves followers of the way of Jesus, people who can discern our times and bring light. But how do you do that in a world that's so divided on what is light and what is dark? Our world, like this whole idea of light is is symbolic often in scripture and it's sacred in ways where this idea of light was good and darkness was evil. And this idea of light was God's idea. If you remember in the beginning, he stepped out into nothing and it said darkness hovered the earth. And then all of a sudden, what does he do? He speaks light. And all of a sudden, he separates the light and darkness. They can't coexist together. And so it was God's idea from the beginning, and it was God who was the one who said, I am the one who produces light. He speaks, and light automatically exists. And you see this this idea of light all throughout the Old Testament. One of the things that we've talked about in this series is we talked about how we get this first I am statement that was given to Moses. Moses. And God was using Moses to help free his people. Well, do you know how God was helping them track and follow him? It says a pillar of cloud by day and a fire of by night to produce light. So this idea of light God had from the very beginning was to separate the darkness and was to give direction to free his people. And so we find ourselves in this series, these seven I am statements that Jesus makes, because what we've said is that we live in a cultural time who wants to give you caricatures, right? So if you know, if you don't know what I mean by caricature, it's like, if you ever go to like Disneyland or one of those amusement parks and, and and someone sits down and then there's an artist and they start drawing a picture of you. And it's like, I didn't know my lips was that big. You know what I mean? It's like, but the, the picture's not supposed to, like, replicate you, like, perfectly, but it's supposed to be this cartoonish figure. Well, we have cartoonish figures of Jesus in our culture today. And the whole purpose of this series is to say, no, 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 I want you to hear what he has to say. That's the best thing we can do. And so these 7 am statements, we come uh, with Jesus in John 8, this is our main text. This is where we're going to sit most of the time. So if you have your Bible, phone, whatever, John 8, we're going to work between John 8 and John 7. So Jesus, in this moment, he makes his next I am statement. We've already heard that he is, he, he says that I am the bread of life. Well, in John 8, verses 12, listen to what he says. He says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Will have the light of life. And so, here's what we need to understand, and I want to help you. Um, if you don't really know how to navigate the Bible, here's what we need to understand. Oftentimes, when Jesus makes statements like this, we have to look at the context because there is a what what we call a, um, a inciting incident there is an inciting incident so what this means that there is an event or something that happened that set the stage for the main character to make his claim so we have to ask why on earth would jesus make this statement at this time right now and we find that um we find that inciting incident if we were to look earlier in the text you see, in Jesus, in, in starting in John 8, he is preaching in the temple. Preaching in the temple. And all of a sudden, he's preaching, teaching. We have Pharisees and religious leaders. They come up to the scene. And they don't come up empty-handed, y'all. They come up with a woman who's been caught in adultery. Y'all catch that in. Like they caught her in the act. It wasn't like, yo, we heard about this lady. No, they caught her in the act. So imagine, imagine, imagine Dale and Troy, part of our leadership team, they come up and they just bring a woman in the middle. They put her right here and say, hey, y'all, Jay, we didn't caught that. I'm not comparing myself to Jesus. Just metaphorically speaking. (laughs) Don't be tripping. Listen, they say, hey, y'all, Y'all, we just caught this girl. We was, doing, we was doing that, you know, spiritual form of that show, Cheaters, and we just, we just staked out and we caught her. So we're going to bring her in here and we're going to let y'all deal with her. Because what they knew during that time, oh man, so interesting, is that anyone caught in adultery according to the law should be stoned to death. Stoned to death. You know what I find fascinating is that they didn't bring the man. They didn't bring the man because in that time, no, it's y'all, y'all grownups in here. Y'all know it takes two to tango, right? And so I find it fascinating that they drag this woman into the spot. They don't care about this woman's righteousness. They're trying to trap Jesus and they're sloppy because they forget, well, if you're going to follow the law, where is the man? He's not present. And so Jesus is, oh man, Jesus is so interesting. So they, so they say, teacher, they, you know, they were using this question to trap him. And, and it says in the law of, in Moses, it commands us to stone such woman. Now, what do you say? And Je- man, Jesus, I like, I wish, like, I can't wait to, when I speak with him to know, like, man, your methods are very interesting. Like, all of a sudden, he steps down and he just starts writing in the sand. He doesn't even respond to them. I'm like, "Yo, I got to try this with my kids." Like, "Daddy, why? Wh- when's our food coming?" I'm like, "I, I, I want to try. I just I, I want to be like Jesus, right? I just want to try it." But it's I find it so interesting. So, he he's writing down. And then there, he's taking too long. So he's. There, the, you can obviously probably feel the tension in this moment. And then all of a sudden in verse seven, in verse seven, it says, when they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Any one of you that's without sin, go ahead. First dibs. He, I, listen, what Jesus is doing. He's actually not going against the law. Sure, she should be stoned. Fine. Who in here hasn't sinned yet? Go ahead, please, please take your take your step up. And you know what it says in the text? It says, one by one, they began to leave, starting with the older men. I. Here's the thing. You gotta like you. You really gotta uh, interrogate scripture. And what I mean by that is to say, why on earth would they make statement of older men leaving first? Like, why is that important? I think it's important because all them old fools knew, shoot, man, we lived long enough on this earth to know we didn't sin quite a bit. Oh, he said, without sin, that's me. I've been around. I've been around. I've been old. I've had a lot of sin. They were were aware of their sin. And so the oldest ones leave first. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is there with the woman. No one standing there. And he says to her, where are they? Where are they? Look up. Is there no one here to condemn you? And she looks. And she says, no one, sir. And then he looks at her and says, well, guess what? neither do I. I w- Like, I want, just, just sit in the reality of this woman's situation. She is, dr- they, they, y'all, they planned this. There's no way you catch someone in the middle of an act unless you plan it. So not only did they plan to catch this woman, they don't bring the man. So she is dragged out, full of shame, thrown into the presence of Jesus. Can you imagine all of the guilt, all of the shame, all of the condemnation, all of the hate that she probably felt towards herself? And here, Jesus, just writing down. I imagine she's like, this is the guy? What is he? He's writing down. He looks up. Whoever is sin, go ahead. Take If you, if you don't have sin, go ahead and take the first shot. They leave. And now here she is. And neither will I condemn you. Imagine what that does to her soul. Imagine what that does to her heart. Laying in shame, laying in guilt. I imagine in her heart she was like, What is my punishment? But in this moment, he looks at her and says, no, they didn't, neither am I. I think some of you need to to sit in the reality of this woman's story for a second and and recognize that Jesus is different. Jesus is different. You can come to him in your sin and shame and all of your guilt and all of your self-hatred and he says, hey, listen, but I don't feel that way about you. Hey, listen, you, you may have heard other people say these things about you. You may have heard other people drag you through the streets, drag your name, but no, no, no. What I'm saying is I don't condemn you. But Jesus is not giving her this freedom to go be promiscuous and say, you know, you know don't just get caught again. He, he tells her at the end of this, he says, and flee, flee from sin. He says, uh, actually in verse, if you turn with me to to verse 11, he says, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go now and leave your life of sin. You see, a life of sin is darkness. And so, we need to understand this because sometimes people will manipulate texts like this and say, well, you see, Jesus, he was, he, he, he wasn't that, you know, he was, he was easy on sexual immorality. He just, he just said, no one condemn them. Don't, we can't condemn anyone for being sexual immoral. That's not what he said. But what he said is, no, 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 I don't condemn you, but I am calling you to a different kind of life. And this different kind of life means that you leave your darkness, you leave your practicing of sin, you leave your constant pursuit of sin. He's different. And I find it very interesting that these religious people, these religious elites, didn't have the same posture and temperament towards her. I love this line from John Oman. He's a theologian. He says, there is a distinction between those who speak with authority and those who speak with authorities. You catch that? There's a distinction between those who speak with authority and those who speak with authorities. Because the reality is all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to Jesus. And you and I, if we're going to put this in our context right now, We we get to speak with authority if we are following Jesus. We get to proclaim his truth. We get to proclaim his grace. But what we're not going to do is roll around like religious authorities, like these religious elites did. There's a difference between walking as a light and walking with a mag light. You feel me? One is constantly pointing the light, trying to blind people and search for them and point out what they've done wrong like y'all some religious police. But the other ones, no. They pursue the way of Jesus so that they can live as light, helping give a path to those who are in need of freedom. You see, these religious people, they, they knew the thrill of exercising power to condemn, but Jesus knew the thrill of exercising power to forgive. forgive. And so again, it wasn't that these men had sinned once or twice. And so they had no concern for this woman's sin or someone who walks in sin, but they used her sin and they used her life as a weapon against Jesus. And so Jesus, he exposes her sin and he exposes their even greater sin. And he says, listen, Neither do I condemn you. And then he goes on to say to leave your life of darkness. And then on the backdrop of this, he then exposes this I am statement. And he says, I am the light of the world. Anyone, anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, Jesus he can make this statement because there's a passage in John that that alludes to his lightness, who he is. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, it says. Without him, nothing was made that had been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. And it says that light, shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, Jesus had a different light to offer this woman. He has a different light to offer our world. And I love this this statement. And it's true if you know the story of Jesus. It says that the light that Jesus has, there's no amount of darkness that will be able to overcome it. You catch that? The light that Jesus has, there is no amount of darkness that, that, that will be able to come in to overcome it. And he says this, this is what Jesus says. He says, "Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Notice, He doesn't promise that you and I will not walk through dark times. He doesn't say that. Darkness, this is a permanent state but he doesn't say that you and I will not walk through dark times because many of you in here can testify and share the fact that you've had to walk through some dark times, right? And here's what you need to know that photos, portraits, these pictures, you know how they get developed? They got to be in a dark room, but they can't stay there. They get developed in the dark And then you get exposed into the light. Most photos in the... See, many of us don't like the developing process because it feels dark. We don't like it. But that is honestly some of the only ways that Jesus has to expose you to the darkness within you so that he can develop you to have a greater light for this world. He says you're not going to stay in the darkness. You're not going to stay in this eternal state of darkness, but you will walk through dark times. I believe there's a, 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 a psalm that many of you probably have heard. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod, your staff, they comfort me. We have a great shepherd. We're going to get that. That's coming. But he promises us, y'all, that this, that this permanent state of darkness, he says, there's no amount of darkness that my light cannot, has not, and will not overcome. And so this, let, us, let, us, let us remember that as followers of Jesus, that walking through dark times does not mean that there's an absence of God's presence. He's, he's with us but it does mean he probably wants to develop something in and through you that can only be produced by the pain of the dark. And so Jesus, when we understand the gospel story, we understand the reason he could tell this woman that he is light. He could tell this crowd that he is light. The reason he can tell this woman that neither do I condemn you is because eventually... Jesus would find his way to a cross and he would take all the condemnation and darkness on himself. He wouldn't spare any amounts of, uh, any ounce of evil and darkness. He would take all of it and he would pay the price for our sins. He would endure the most brutal darkness anyone on this earth could faith, face, the wrath of God. And he did that. So that there might be a light that can be produced in every single one of us here for those that put their faith and trust in him. And because of the verse in John 1 where it says, through him all things were made, nothing without him was made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. We must understand that the light of Jesus is tied to the life of Jesus. The more you and I learn to become like Jesus, to do what he did, to be in his presence, the more the light wells up and expands in us. You see, one of the, one of the harsh realities is that you can come to church for an hour and 15 minutes, but you're being formed by darkness 24-7 throughout the week. Just look at, look at how much time you spend on your phone. Look at how much time you spend on media consuming things. I just, this isn't, this isn't like a moralistic, legalistic thing. I, I just want us to have an honest conversation about this. That if you were to look at the amount of time you spend consuming these things and look at the amount of time that you spend with the father of all light, how is that being formed in you? You're, you're constantly, why am I always mad? Why am I always anxious? Why, why don't I have peace? Why am I so irritable? Could it be that you are being consumed by darkness and not light? Jesus in Scripture says that whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. Now, that's not saying that we need to, that we need to be these uh, toxic positivity Christians where everything's good all the time while the world is being destroyed. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that we need to be mindful of how our souls are being cultivated by darkness. We need to be mindful. Like one hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday, I'm sorry, is not going to cut it. Like... We live in a world that is constantly consumed by darkness. So if we are not looking at Jesus, looking at his life, looking at what he did and saying, can I model my life after this? Can I become a disciple, a student of his and say, how would Jesus navigate this? How would he show up here? How would he think about this? Constantly being consumed by his word, which scripture says is a light unto our path. Then we will continue to be formed by darkness we will continue to be formed by darkness. And one of gr- Satan's greatest tactic is to edge us out of the light slowly. Oh, he's not just always oh, gonna just push you, but it's gonna be a slow edging out of the light into the darkness. Because if any of you have ever been inside of a house or a room or a place when there's no darkness, here's, here's what ends up happening, or where there's no light, sorry, and it's just dark. Lights don't work. Here's what ends up happening. Oh, you're going to bump your way around stuff. But after a while, you begin to learn how to operate in the dark. Oh, that was okay. I could do this. Slowly, it is a slow death. Satan is edging you out of the light. Ah, let, you don't need to spend that much time with God. I mean, he he cares. but But consume all this. Extra darkness on Netflix. Consume all, that's fine. It's just soft porn, it's fine. It's doing something to your soul. We just don't, we, we gotta have courage as Christians to, to, to identify where the enemy is slowly edging us out of the light. Because some of you, if I'm being honest, Christians can get really good about proclaiming the name of Jesus while still walking in darkness. What did these religious people do? They knew all the scriptures and they knew the religious texts and the things to to say and believe in, but how they were walking was far different, far different. And so we gotta be careful as Christians, I'm speaking to just Christians in the room right now, to think and we become so confident that we can manufacture light all by ourselves, That we can do this thing all on our own strength. That if we're not careful, we get edged out of, of the light and into becoming these religious authorities, only, only pointing out what everyone else is doing wrong, only pointing out and critiquing everything about culture. Meanwhile, you don't, you don't even know your neighbor's names. You don't even know how to be a light in the people right across from you. But you want to take your mag light all over Facebook and all over social media and be all up in people's comments because you some sort of religious authority? No, no, no. God calls us to live with authority. It's kingdom authority. And if we are not, if we're not careful, we become the very people Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians eleven. He was talking to the church of Corinth, and he was talking about how they were being led astray by uh, from a pure and sincere devotion from Christ he was talking about how they were getting preached a different gospel. They were being preached a different Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, he says, And no wonder, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no great surprise if his servants are also disguised themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will be according to their works. Can I just ask you, Christian in the room, are you disguising yourself as light? Are you? Because if so, I just want to be honest. It says in this text that you are being a servant of Satan. Oh, my gosh. That should make all of us assess and just say, God, am I, am I truly following this gospel message? this transformative message? Or have I been hearing this different gospel from this politician or this influencer? And have I been taking that gospel and preaching that to people? Because if you're not careful, you are being disguised as a tool for the enemy. All in the name of Jesus. And so this is why it is important. It said, listen to what it says. It said that they, um, Paul was talking to them and saying how their pure and sincere devotion were being led astray. You and I, one of the things that we must hold on to is this pure devotion for the word of God and the way of Jesus. Devotion, giving our attention to this light. And through Jesus's life and through his teaching, He clarifies and corrects the truth of what constitutes darkness and light before God. And through his life and through his teaching and his word, he's going to enable you and I, if we put our trust in him, if we give him our affection, if we give him our devotion, if we give him our attention, he's going to allow us to discern and decipher the messages that the world is giving about who the gospel, who Jesus is and what the gospel is. Here, listen, my grandma, she's such a beautiful, wise uh, old woman. I miss her. But I remember something she would always tell me, and I'm going to tell you because it's putting me on the spot, is anything that anyone says, you always need to take it back to the word of God. Anything that I say, anything that we say here, you need to always take it back to the word of God. You need to. Because if we're ever misaligned there, then we're not living out who we say we truly want to be. And that's a church that leaves you more impressed with Jesus, a church that has you more hungry for Jesus, a church that wants to turn your affections and attention to go home and pursue the way of Jesus. But if you're constantly on your phone consuming these nuggets of people, you're chewing on somebody else's food and you're consuming these nuggets and you're never actually taking it to the very word of God and taking it to Jesus to say, what do you say though? What what do you have to think about this? You know what everybody else tells you about him, but no, no, no. What do you say Jesus? Because there's, there's light that desperately needs to be produced in us in this world. And so we must remember, and for you in this room, if you don't call yourself a follower of Jesus, I have really good news for you. I have really good news for you. And for those of you that do call yourself a follower of Jesus, I have a really good reminder for you. In Colossians 1, verse 13, it says, For he, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, And brought us in the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Many of you in here need to be rescued. You are living in this darkness and you know it, and you're being too prideful just to admit it. And it's okay, I have been there. Every Christian who follows Jesus needs to be what my mentor calls a learned hypocrite. We know how much of a hypocrite we are. We just learned about it and we're more honest about it and we just go to Jesus quicker. But those of you that have not placed your faith and trust in him, it says that he has the ability and he has, through the good news of the gospel, he has rescued every single one of us from the domain, the state of darkness. And how did he do that? Through the redemption and forgiveness of sins through what Jesus has done us. On the cross. God simply doesn't want you to stumble through life in the darkness. He wants you to step into the light. He wants you to see clearly the life that He has to offer and the life that He wants for you. He wants you to step into the light of His kingdom. You see, the kingdom of God is God's sovereign activity in the world, resulting in people being in a right relationship with Him. People not walking in dark, in this permanent state of darkness, but putting their faith and trust in Him to say, I wanna learn and follow your kingdom. And the kingdom of God is simply whenever and wherever God gets what He wants. And we as people need to be okay with God getting what he wants because if he is the author, the speaker, the creator of light, then you and I should do everything we can in this life to say, how could we get more of your light into us? You see, in ancient times, light was very precious, light was very costly. Those in our past couldn't just turn on a switch or work with an electrical powered light. In order to have light, you needed oil, other types of fuel. They needed to be gathered and prepared and burned. Light back then was not something that could be taken for granted of. And so how do we as people who got Alexa, turn on room A, Alexa, Nighttime mode. Alexa, do, right? Like we have switches. We have all these things that can just turn the light on for us. We don't understand the, the, the costliness anymore, the preciousness of light until you don't have it. But can I tell you in a, in a caution is that scripture says that if we do not step into this light of God's kingdom, that we would actually spend an eternity in darkness I don't want that for anybody in this room. And so following Jesus is precious. Following Jesus is costly. It costs you doing all the things your way, how you want it. Matt, trying to manufacture your own light. We need to get back to an ancient, precious value of light. No matter how many electors you got in your house, we want to be cultivators of light. Psalm 139, verse 12 says, listen to what this this says about God. It says, even the darkness is not dark to you. You catch that? Even the darkness isn't dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. You catch that? Even the darkness is not dark to God nighttime It's all light to him. You know, growing up in in some Christian spaces, there used to be this word called like accountability. It used to be like where you go and confess your sins to other people and you need accountability. You need accountability, which I'm saying is, I, I think it's true. I think it's good. It's you being able to be honest about how you're living and what you're doing. But this verse changed everything for me because most of the sin we commit most of the things that y'all do that aren't in line with the way it happened in the dark. Happen when you don't think no one's watching. Happen when you don't think no one's looking. Happen when you don't think no one's hearing. Happens when you don't think no one is checking your browser history. Checking your bank account. But can I tell you who does see all that? God. Even in your darkest moment, they're all light to him. He sees everything. And before you go ahead and and, into self-condemnation mode, can I tell you what he says, what he told the woman? He says, neither do I condemn you. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. Put your faith and trust in my son. Because remember, when you come up to me with your darkness, I now see the light of my son for those who have proclaimed this great faith in the gospel. And so my question that I want you to wrestle with is, What are the dark areas in your heart that you need to acknowledge and bring to Jesus? What are some of the dark areas in your heart that you need to acknowledge and bring to him? Because if we're not careful and we don't acknowledge them, we don't bring them to him, we edge closer out of the light into the darkness. And we need to be mindful about what we're letting into our hearts and into our souls. Because if we are not careful, those of us who call yourself a follower of Jesus will end up missing out on lighting the way with authority in your classrooms, your neighborhoods, your workplace, where your kids play, where you work out at, where you shop at. You'll you'll no longer light the way with authority, but you'll run with the religious authorities, constantly shining your light on people. It's not the way of Jesus. I heard it said once that authority is the child of obedience. So if you want to walk in light, you want to walk in authority, then obey God. Obey his ways. Obey his teaching. Come into the light. Because at the end of scripture, I love how the beginning, it's separates the dark he says let there be light and at the end of scripture you find in Revelation 22 verse 5 it says there will be no more night they will not need the light or lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever family that is incredibly good news that one day at the end of this life it's all light There's no more darkness. There's no more weeping. There's no more tears. There's no more pain. There's no more cancer. There's no more like abuse. There's no more of that. It's all light. And so if if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, man, I'm praying that you would just have courage and finally step out of the darkness and into the light. You won't be absent of dark times but you have an eternal light that you get to pursue for the rest of your life. And those of us who do call ourselves followers of Jesus, my prayer is this. Matthew 5, verse 14, it says, you are the lights of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. So would you let your light shine? But it's not a spotlight for you. It's a spotlight for him. It says, may they see your good deeds and glorify you. No, it doesn't say that. It says, may they see your good deeds and glorify the father. Would that be our prayer this morning?